It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the faculty chair of autonomous vehicle engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. Good morning, everybody. Well, good morning. This week, you took a trip down south to the Autonomous Vehicle Summit in Florida, the seventh annual summit that's been held there. And the state, with a warm environment, is carrying that over to self-driving cars. Give us the overview. Well, Fred, it was uh, really uh, very, very uh, exciting. And it's uh, really impressive as to what you can accomplish um, if you have uh, the right people in in the state uh, that are uh, looking at this technology with a with a glass half full as opposed to a glass uh, half empty um uh the uh, the leadership uh, um uh, coming from uh Jeff Brandis the state senator who's been basically the um, the um, uh, leader of of the pack on this uh for the past um uh 8 or 9 years in terms of how he's basically brought all the various uh, elements of of um of the influence uh, to basically support this technology in Florida, um, which um, which goes uh, all the way up to the governor. The governor gave a, a marvelous uh, presentation as to uh, the opportunities and, of course, the challenges associated uh, with this technology to basically improve the quality of the life of Florida, to, to let Florida basically uh, – uh, become a, a better state, especially in, in its uh, its position of, of being a, a place in which uh, a number of people are moving to Florida, and that they have uh, ever more people to uh, to provide mobility for. and And it's just uh, it was just marvelous. Uh, uh, the the mayor of Miami, the the commissioner of Florida DOT, the heads of uh, of the um, uh, of the toll authorities, the the heads of the planning um, uh, agencies, the all the way down the line, it it just shows, and that's why there's there's really s- substantive things happening uh, in a number of of ways uh, there in Florida, not only for the movement of people, but also the movement of goods. And um, I was so jealous. Uh, they created such a wonderful, welcoming environment. Um, I guess uh, just shows how much of a failure I've been, you know, <laughs> trying to do a similar thing in New Jersey where, you know, we're basically, <laughs> we're at best barely started if, if, if we're even barely started. And it's Kind of a shame because uh, because uh, they're really focused uh, on the right aspects of this, the, the mobility aspects, and what it can do to improve the quality of life of everyone in 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 Florida. So um, anyway, I I just uh, sat there with uh, with my jaw dropped and 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 just um, all um, uh, um, being totally jealous in terms of how how wonderful they've basically uh, orchestrated this this progress into uh, into the uh, evolution of this technology for Florida and reasons looking for reasons to say yes uh, instead of reasons to say no I suppose reasons to say yes instead of reasons to say no instead of we'll, we'll wait or you know it's just so easy to just say and just you know just not say anything, 
but to actually get something done, boy, you have to step out there and you have to you have to lead it, and um, and uh, it just it was just marvelous. Well, hopefully, it can be held up as an example for New Jersey and and other states as as well. Absolutely, I think I think uh, it is absolutely. I, uh, people always look for best practices. Um, I suggest they look to Florida for. Uh, best practices. Uh, that's not to say the California and Arizona haven't done very well, also. But uh, but boy, in terms of really pushing, thrusting those forward, no wonder you know Ford is down there. Uh, no wonder uh, Waymo is down there with their trucks and so on. And we'll be there. I'm sure we'll be there with their cars. And it's not just because it has good weather. I mean, uh, and and you know the weather is great, but you know every once in a while it rains pretty darn hard there. So there are some challenges there. With respect to weather, <clears throat> and uh, and it's it was just just marvelous. And you were really impressed with what you heard from the folks uh, at Ford at the summit. I, I was because, as as you know, as we've been discussing here, is de- dealing with driverless. You know, there's been two concepts out there. Uh, well, originally there was only one uh, business case out there for driverless. It was they were going to be uh, built, manufactured, and then sold to individuals so that they could uh, sleep uh, as they're going or have cocktails or who knows what as they're traveling from A to B. Uh, it really, you know, as uh, as I call them, entitled elitist uh, tools. Uh, and, um, and only basically as the perception would be for the one percenters, as opposed to fundamentally uh, mobility machines for everyone to better be able to get from A to B, and especially those that are so underserved. Uh, by the current uh, automobile form of mobility of private automobiles, those who, who, who for whatever reason can't or wish not uh, to own and drive themselves uh, from A to B. I mean, those those folks have been completely left behind in terms of, uh, of mobility opportunities to enhance their quality of life. <clears throat> Interesting, and, and it was very nice to hear I'm, uh, there that uh, John uh, Rich, the CEO of uh, Ford Autonomous Vehicles, said that uh, explicitly, as uh, an answer to a question, that uh, Ford is going to make uh, driverless vehicles and operate them, not sell them to individuals. I believe I'm not quoting him directly. I didn't didn't have a pen to write it down, but basically said well, it's going to be a very long time before they sell these uh, these things to individuals they're going to own and operate them to provide mobility for everyone and as we've been saying here you know uh, i always look at uh, driverless vehicles as being a goose that's laying golden eggs the golden eggs are the, mo- the mobility as a service provision that you can do at a, at a very low cost because, and very affordably, uh, because you don't have uh, labor uh, to deal with. It's basically a fixed cost associated with the capital asset of the vehicle, and the operational aspects are really they they scale enormously well. They are fundamentally, a, you know, a a computer internet type scaling system. It's a fixed cost and 
and and uh, and as it scales, um, uh, the costs remain essentially the same. So that means that that, uh, that more much more of the revenue as you scale turns into profits, and uh, and of course that's what the, that's at least what's excited me about this this technology. And and it was nice to hear Ford explicitly say that at this conference. And uh, and I'm sure that that's uh, that's what um, the others are seeing too. Uh, Waymo wasn't there to uh, ask that question, but uh, I'm sure that Waymo is is looking to operate that. That's why they're going through all the things that they're going through in Chandler, so that they become uh, uh, very very. Uh, um, uh, capable at operating these things safely. And so um, it was very nice to hear. Well, let's see where, where it goes. I mean, there's so many questions about uh, how that will work, whether it's dealerships getting involved or, you know, and, and, providing, well, I, I and providing maintenance services, et cetera. There's a lot. Well, sure. Well, there, there, there needs to be a maintenance provider, whether it's a dealership that does that, or whether it's uh, you know basically the Avis model. I don't know who maintains the the, the cars for Avis, but the, and and I believe that Waymo has retained a. I, I think even Avis maybe, although I might be wrong as to exactly who it is to to help maintain their vehicles. Uh, but uh, this 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 is a. That's that's not going to be easy, and it, it needs to be left to a, a very responsible entity who's absolutely focused on the safety of these these entities. Because if they're not safe, it's not going to happen. Meanwhile, in Washington, Senator Ed Markey this week is trying to push Tesla to disable autopilot driver assistance on all of its vehicles until it installs new safeguards to prevent drivers from evading system limits. Uh, that could allow them to fall asleep. And he cited uh, a local news report about a driver supposedly falling asleep in a Tesla and some other YouTube videos that that we've all seen online. Well, you know, I, I, we've seen them. I guess the question is, is how many of them are fake news? Uh, uh, you know, I guess I commented on one of them. Uh, to me, it uh, didn't seem to, to hold water, uh, that, it, that it was staged or faked. Uh, uh, whether or not somebody really did fall asleep for 14 miles before they woke up and nothing happened and nobody drove by them and saw them falling asleep and, and honked their horn or whatever, I, it, sure, it, it could have happened. It, but in fact, uh, if it did happen, it basically shows how good the autopilot is. The, the, the fundamental problem here is, is, is that uh, we've put the, this technology in the hands of people. Uh, most of them use it enormously responsibly. And there are just a few bad apples there that, that misuse it uh, and, and, of course, are causing the problem. And, and in fact, if you, if you look at the whole safety aspect of, of the automobile, wh- wh- what do you see? You know, we're all told that, that 94% of the of crashes have as part of that crash um, uh, human error. Uh, So in fact, it really says that the automobile itself as it exists today is enormously safe. It's, It's enormously safe as it is. But it's even it's even that in in, in spades. It's 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 
enormously, enormously um, uh, safe uh, because 94% of the, the crashes have human, it's not human error, it's human misbehavior, and it needs to be called that. It's human misbehavior. If, if you speed, it's not error. You wanted this speed. That's misbehavior. If 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 you're tailgating and you run into the back of somebody, that's not error. That's misbehaving. And so, you know, maybe... Maybe what the the good senator should do is, is say, uh, you know, what are current car manufacturers doing to keep the the, the people that, that buy in, uh, these these vehicles uh, from misbehaving? You know, why is it that we're allowed the, the speed? Well, you know, maybe f- five miles or nine miles over. Uh, but the speedometer on my car says reads up to one hundred and sixty. Uh, where am I going to do 160 miles an hour in Jersey? I mean, it's ridiculous. And so, you know, where's the effort uh, to try to keep people from misbehaving in in the use of the current automobile? And and sure, uh, uh, Tesla should have safeguards uh, on autopilot uh, to keep people from misbehaving. Um, uh, and, and as I've commented with respect to Smart Summit, we haven't seen anything yet. Smart Smart I mean, Summit, right. Uh, or, 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 well, let me go back. I've, we, or what I've said about Stupid Summit. You know, Stupid Summit is, um, is, my goodness, wait until we hear all the places in which people misbehave in, in the use of that product. But the, but the idea, like, Alan, of disabling autopilot driver assistance is a blanket solution here for now. Well, I think I think come on, the, the autopilot for many is an enormously uh, safe safety enhancing system. Okay, now uh, sure, uh, Tesla. If we one can figure out how to keep people from misbehaving, can put technology on that and over the air update it and 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 improve it. Although uh, our efforts at keeping people from misbehaving are not all that um, successful, and in some sense, um, um, I don't know. But uh, you know, this is just turning something off that is fundamentally good for. 99.9 who knows what percent of the people and because there are a few bad actors out there who misuse it who think they're cute if they basically hang something on the steering uh, wheel because then it'll, the, the the system will think that the, there's torque on it and therefore won't uh, won't beep at you uh, my goodness um, I, I don't know it, um, uh, let's find those that do that and, and whack them or something. I, uh, I, 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 very difficult problem. But basically, what? turning it, we could make transportation perfectly safe if we just stay home. Everybody. <laughs> so maybe the senator wants everybody to stay home and we'll be safe. I guess. I mean, unless, I don't know, I'm sure there's stuff that happens at home that... <laughs> Whatever. It's not easy. I understand, but it seems to be just uh, very, uh, I don't know, not grandstanding, but I don't know what to, to say, turn the darn thing off until. 
Well, on the subject of Tesla, Alan, uh, Elon Musk is now saying they've received, as of yesterday, 146,000 pre-orders for the new Cybertruck that he unveiled Thursday night. And that's when Tesla started taking reservations requiring a $100 deposit. A lot of, a lot of vehicles. It's a lot of vehicles. It's only a hundred dollar deposit that I guess. <laughs> right for the Model Three, they asked for a thousand, and I sent them a thousand. I still haven't exercised mine yet, but whatever. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure a hundred bucks. Can you imagine? I mean, everybody who owns a Ford F one fifty might might have, must have said, "Oh, I'll throw that out there." And who came up with that design? I mean, <laughs> what are we going to? Looks it's like the not, military did to me. I mean, it's it's not even funny. Can you imagine the abuse that people are going to then and, and misbehavior that that's going to cause people who own those things? I mean, somebody, they, they will then feel that they can basically razor and plow through any traffic jam ahead. I, I mean, what? Uh, but... <laughs> I guess I don't know. We have to keep people from misbehaving. If they don't misbehave, and if those that buy those vehicles don't misbehave, then great. I don't know. Look at how many people bought Hummers. I mean, you know, here is a military vehicle that you can use on the on the highways of America. I mean, I don't know. Well, talk about misbehavior. Um... The Cybertruck unveiling underscored the risks of live demos uh, when supposedly armored side windows, they shattered when they were hit intentionally with this metal ball. That was kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I can remember Bill Gates at, at CES. 2005, to, yes. 2005, <laughs> trying to, 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 to demonstrate their, their auto PC and you're supposed to be able to do a, a 2005 version of Alexa and talk to it. And, and my goodness, he's talking to the thing and it doesn't respond. Why? Because the air conditioning fans in the venue uh, were humming uh, so loud that, that, of course, they couldn't interpret it. Uh, you know, we've all been there, okay? Uh, anytime you do a demo that you think you're going to be cute, guess what? <laughs> it comes back and, and bites you in the butt. So, so whatever. Uh, I guess we can say not the first time windows were shattered in a live demo. <laughs> right. But, but it looks like Elon was hitting the side of this thing with respect to with a sledgehammer. Now, maybe there was a big, big, uh, it was a soft sledgehammer and, and so on. But, but my good. Goodness, that makes me want that to, because I have all these dings on the side of my car from people opening their doors and whacking me. Uh, I guess I would like to have that on my. Uh, sure. Um, uh, hey. Hundred dollar deposit. Hundred dollar deposit. Jeez, I want. I want to. I'm going to send in five hundred and 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 get five of them. You know. All right. Well, <laughs> this it, is too much fun, Fred. You know. It is. Well, it sounds like they've been listening to you, Alan, an automotive news post with the headline, A Call for Clarity on Self-Driving Terminology. Uh, yes, uh, at least uh, at least with respect to aspects of what are really safe driving uh, terminology and the, the things that are available 
uh, in the showrooms today with respect to automated emergency braking and so on. And I think that absolutely, and it should even go farther with respect to this business of of self-driving and, uh, and driverless. Again, uh, the the Society of Automotive Engineers is still out there with their levels and uh, whatever, but I think uh, the clarity is finally coming out. Uh, the issue, uh, especially with respect to the uh, the, uh, the senator pointing out uh, with respect to autopilot, you know, this is a this is a system that absolutely requires human uh, supervision or adult supervision um, by uh, by a licensed driver who he or she knows what to do in case uh, it doesn't it doesn't work. And of course, keeping your hand on the wheel is is not is is not necessarily the important thing keeping your foot near the brake is much more important and being ready to apply the brake is pro- is probably much more important uh, than ready to jerk the steering steering wheel flip the car land on the roof and die uh it's it's uh, you know how how good we are at evading things by by swerving um Probably not so much. Uh, we might be able to push the the brake pedal through the floor and have the automated emergency braking si- or the uh, anti-lock braking system then properly bring us to rest uh, before we hit something. But again, that's uh, you know we can we can discuss the details of the two. Uh, but that's what's really important, as opposed to the driverless. The reason we're taking the driver out of there is to provide better mobility to more people at a more affordable price. That's why we're doing it. Uh, it's not to be cute. It's not to sleep. It's not for all the other things. That's the reason we're doing it. And um, and then people can go in there and, and be more productive, have more fun, enjoy themselves play their computer games, text, and so on, and do it uh, and get from A to B in, in an affordable way. Uh, at least that's the fundamental argument that, that I use, and that's why we want to do it. On that subject, a new book by George T. Martin caught your attention in the, in the latest newsletter, uh, Sustainability Prospects for Autonomous Vehicles, and it discusses social, behavioral, and environmental implications. Right, and it begins to discuss this because, of course, we have to we have to get to a point in which, if we're really trying to provide mobility for people, then that's what we should be focused on. The technology we essentially have it so that it works. So it's not the question as of the of the fundamental technology or the AI or the sensors. It's now how are we going to operate it. How are we going to deliver that service? Uh, what are we going to deal with, and, and so on and so forth? You know, there, there's an, another uh, entity that came out this week um, uh, out of um, Uber with respect to uh, beginning to record in vehicles uh, uh, the 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 conversations that are going on in vehicles, and basically to get the uh, the acoustic record of what goes on in that vehicle during every trip. Why? Because you know there's some some 
um, uh, disagreements that break out in, in terms of, of giving, uh, providing those mobility. In, in, in Uber vehicles, it ends up being disagreements between a driver and a passenger. But if we're really going to, and we have to do shared ride, then there's going to possibly be disagreements with respect to among passengers and so on. And so to be able to, to uh, uh, not have it be a he said, she said type of thing, uh, one really should be capturing that information and, and so that you can adjudicate these things and sort them out after the fact and, and try to learn from it and, and, and try to make it so that it doesn't happen again. But as soon as you start doing that, what are the issues with respect to privacy? What are the issues with respect to existing laws uh, associated with, uh, with uh, recording of conversations in, in the various venues of, of the United States and, and the world? And, and so these are very, very challenging issues, but they deal with the societal aspects of this mobility, the uh, interpersonal aspects, the, the privacy aspects. And while some things have been done and, and begun to be done in this area, we have, we have so much more to do. Um, as, I, as I mentioned very often, I like to use the elevator as an analogy. And, and uh, you know, in thinking about this uh, of late, I've decided to try to get one of my students uh, to really do a, 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 or to try to find in literature, which I haven't, uh, again, I should have looked there first, but I haven't looked and maybe it's already there to, to, to really learn from what are the, what are the social and, and societal aspects that really come uh, that, 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 that take place in elevators today uh, and, and to learn from that um, I sort of know a little bit from my own experience, which is very limited, uh, and of, uh, of just riding in, in elevators in hotels, a uh, big deal. Uh, but uh, what about people who do live in these, uh, in these uh, skyscrapers and so on? And not only those that live uh, uh, in, in Trump Tower, uh, but those that, that, that live in, in the various uh, housing developments that we have, uh, not only in the United States, but the, they're building throughout China. What is, what is the uh, societal interaction that takes place in elevators? I've, I've been trying to ask a couple people. Nobody's given me the answer. You know, how young uh, uh, can children be? Uh, when their parents allow them to use the elevators by themselves going up and down. And, and what does that look like in the different uh, uh, socioeconomic uh, groups that live in different types of buildings? I, you know, I, I wish I knew the answer. I'm sure the answer is out there. But, but certainly if one deals with, with uh, the potential societal uh, implications of this uh, driverless mobility that, that, as we've said, has to be shared. Otherwise, the, the environmental implications of this are just so bad that, uh, that, uh, that we really screw up the planet. But we have an opportunity to help the planet with this. Uh, but but how do we deal with uh, those particular aspects? And I think uh, it deserves a, 
uh, 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 an enormous amount of effort. And th this book, um, I guess, begins that. Very, very interesting. A lot of questions that have not so easy answers. Not so easy. They're pro they're tougher than the, than the technology that keeps this, these things from not crashing. I mean, and we haven't even begun yet. Uh, why? Because uh, we don't know what we don't know. But but again, uh, the elevator analogy here. You know, here you are confined in an entity in which there is no no uh, attendant and you're going whatever now it is for a short period of time and there are safeguards and the, 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 the do but uh, you know how's that how's that put all together and, and apparently works because people live in these buildings well the national transportation safety board uh, alan has published the presentations from its meeting this past week to review the findings of the uber crash that killed elaine herzberg in arizona last year some of the presentations in the newsletter you're taking issue with. Yes, and I guess yes, I, I, I really take issue with that one and, and it's it's kind of a shame because because uh, there are fingers being pointed all over the place, but the, the real finger needs to be pointed to the, the way the, the code was written. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the code was uh, was written in such a way that that my goodness, it 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 didn't have an automated emergency braking system as part of it. It would wait for a second if it couldn't identify an object. There's an object that is crossing in front of you. That is that if you just follow the object, uh, you know that it's going to you're going to run into it, and you know that in play. I mean, you know, we're doing this stuff for the 2005 DARPA. A challenge in terms of tracking objects. We we didn't we didn't care about. What do we care about? What the object is? Is it a moose or 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 is it a or is it a bicyclist? Does it matter? Really, you, you, it's it's okay to hit the moose, but not but not the the bicyclist. Guess what? You hit a moose, you die. Okay, and so on, whatever, and or. I mean, why object identification is really important. Um, you know, sure, maybe if you can identify the object, you may have a whole host of information that better enables enables you to anticipate where it's going. Uh, but my goodness, just tracking it, uh, you know, for a, a couple of seconds. You know, gives you an enormous amount of information in terms of, of where it might be going uh, without knowing who or what it is. And, uh, and again, uh, that's probably, uh, you know, somebody said, oh, if we can classify it as one of these things, then we have the data to really know where it's going to be. Otherwise, uh, forget about it. Are you kidding? Anyway, and none of that is in there, which is an enormous shame. And they, you know, they, they, and they talk about Elaine Hersberg and so on, and she pushing up bicycles, and they even mention some other things about her. Totally irrelevant. Totally irrelevant to even think that that somehow you know she was expendable, and and and, and it makes uh, it makes uh, the, the software okay because uh, I mean I don't know, but uh, I'm just one person, so I was disappointed. The Port Authority of New York and New Jersey plans to test autonomous technology over the next year on the bus lane that leads uh, for two and a half miles, I think. 
from the Turnpike in New Jersey to the Lincoln Tunnel. Alan, this is an idea that you're pretty familiar with. Yep, and it's a counterflow exclusive bus lane. So it actually operates in the in the outbound direction in uh, outbound lanes in an inbound direction. And so it's you know, it's one of these inventions that is, is so marvelous because of its simplicity and its effectiveness. And and when John C. Cole, the Commissioner of Transportation in you know, nineteen seventy, seventy one basically, you know, did this and, and, and created it and was leaders lead, led in, in the creation of this thing, it was marvelous simply because it allowed basically an uninterrupted flow of buses to the Lincoln Tunnel in, in a very narrow corridor. And, uh, you know, the cost of the infrastructure and so on to do it was essentially nothing. Uh, requires some manual input of, of pegs and holes and so on, which I like the, the, the guy or gal who does that every morning as they're sitting out in the back of a truck to put those things into those, those pegs and those holes. And I can't, I can't imagine how they do it in freezing weather. I mean, they deserve the, the highest honor of, of valor of any employee in, in the New York, uh, New Jersey <laughs> metropolitan area. Uh, and it, it's just marvelous. And, and, and it's, it, it it's created basically the the the, the most efficient, uh, uh, highest throughput uh, uh, bus transportation corridor or, or lane in in the world. A single lane uh, that's able to deliver 700 buses per hour uh, to the Lincoln Tunnel, uh, but it's only able to deliver 700 buses per hour. There are a lot more folks in New Jersey that would like to be able to get to Midtown efficiently uh, in a uh, in a bus in a in a large vehicle uh, during the, the morning peak and uh, by simply driving to a park and ride lot hopping on a bus and basically having a, a non-stop uh, trip it into the Port Authority bus terminal and to increase the capacity of that viaduct without taking another lane or a- absolutely having uh, infrastructure costs that are essentially infinite to, to widen that corridor, uh, one could do that by increasing the capacity of that lane uh, from, uh, from 700 buses an hour to whatever you could increase it to. And if you look at that, the operation of that quarter, the reason why the capacity is 700 buses per hour is because they're, the buses are, are driven by humans. Uh, and the headway control, how close they follow each other, is a human decision. And that human decision, basically, uh, the variations in driving capability and, and so on and so forth of individual drivers, not that they're driving poorly, but they're trying to drive safely on, on, in a very difficult sit- situation, basically means that, that the inter-vehicle spacing has a wide distribution. You know, some drive closely, some drive very far apart. 
and, uh, and without needing to be far apart. If you put automated longitudinal control system on there, or as most people know it as intelligent cruise control that they have in their car, and basically take what you have in a in a Subaru or a Volvo and put it into these buses, then in fact they could operate and they would operate at much closer headway most of the time. In other words, the variance. In, in the in the headway and the separation of the vehicles uh, would be reduced, uh, taking the long separations and making them smaller. What that does is reduces the average. What that does is increases the capacity, and it does so substantially, such that it's it's not hard to imagine that that you could get eleven hundred or ten one thousand fifty vehicles per hour down that lane. In other words, that's a 50% increase in in in, uh, in in capacity associated with that lane. You know, that's an extra 15,000 people per hour that you could bring from New Jersey uh, to New York uh, very efficiently. Uh, uh, enormous value associated with that. Well, of course, Lou Pignatero and I saw that <laughs> that opportunity in the mid-90s. We proposed it to to Port Authority and 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 the New Jersey Transit and New New Jersey DOT saying you know there are only three thousand buses that use this this facility in, in, ever and you know, they don't all use them at the same time but you know equipping three thousand buses with uh, with headway control system. Uh, then wouldn't have been very expensive today. It'd be practically nothing. I mean. Uh, if you can't do that for 10,000, there'd be, I don't know how many companies would line up to do that for 10,000 bucks a, a, a vehicle, you know, and that's, uh, that's, that turns out to be absolutely nothing for 3,000 vehicles. Uh, what, $30 million if I did the, you know, the arithmetic in my head uh, correctly, uh, you know, $30 million, Pfft, call it 300. Well, they're getting around to it now. It sounds like, <laughs> uh, and they're finally getting around to it. So, so Lou and I proposed this. I don't know, mid nineties, and um, of course, we were laughed out of the room. Um, whatever. So we moved on. Uh, poor Lou passed away. I'm about to pass away. So you know, whatever. By that, by the time we're both passed away, maybe the Port Authority will finally get around to doing it. Please hang in there. <laughs> the FCC plans to vote next month on reallocating much of the wireless spectrum that had been put aside for vehicle safety. Uh, and for the last 20 years, it really hasn't been used very much. It hasn't. It's been put aside for safety. Um, uh, it turns out that we get a lot more uh, out of the 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 bandwidth today than than we could get uh, 20 years ago uh, should it be shared shouldn't it be shared this has been battled and argued uh, for the past uh, 20 years i guess it's finally going to be settled um um uh, i guess um i just want to stay out of that fight finally in the half-baked section of the newsletter a report uh, from cnn business that was titled Swiveling seats and sound bubbles, what the inside of cars will soon be like. 
Well, I think it, uh, uh, basically, yes, uh, with uh, driverless vehicles, there's an opportunity to change what the interior of vehicles look like. And it's not just with respect to to uh, um, driverless vehicles. It's also if we're going to power these things with electric motors, because then, you know, we don't need a transmission anymore. We don't need the, the motor out there. I mean, in fact, a you know, motor can be in a wheel or very close to the wheel. It completely be, allows the uh, it allows the, for the an opportunity to completely change what the vehicle looks like. But the 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 focus of the darn thing is is the interior of the vehicle of driverless vehicles that that we're going to own as in individuals and to appeal to individual ownership as opposed to the provisions of mobility for all and i think that is just dead wrong to take this opportunity to redesign the vehicle first of all as we've heard from ford I don't think anybody's going to sell any of these things to individuals. So let's not bother de designing them for personal ownership and whether or not uh, and what we want with respect to our personal things. Let's really focus on how we deliver mobility to everybody. Make sure it's, it is easy to get in and get out with ramps or whatever for someone who, who happens to be in a wheelchair. And to make sure you're, you're properly secured and not jostled around. And if, if sharing a vehicle is so darn important uh, for sustainability and, and saving our planet, let's make sure it's inviting uh, for people uh, who aren't uh, necessarily familiar with each other to be able to, to have a, an enjoyable ride. So yes, great opportunity to, to redesign the vehicles, but let's, let's redesign them with the right focus. Uh, I think that in the end, we may have regulations and legislations that forbid these vehicles to be sold to individuals. We, we, we misbehave so much with the things that are made available to us, or there are, there are always a few bad apples that make, that ruin it for everybody, that in fact, it may be that that uh, we can't put up with just a very, very few people misbehaving with these uh, with these things, such that uh, it will be it'll be forbidden to be sold to us. But in fact, operated by responsible entities, whose whose mission is uh, safety first, then the delivery of mobility to, uh, for all. But making sure that it's safety first, and and it's so important for these things to be safe that um, that in fact um, uh, I think that that is an eventual future. So let's take this great opportunity to redesign the vehicles, but let's take the opportunity and put it within the right context, and uh, that's why I put that one in uh, half baked. Uh, good idea, but um, half baked looking at the wrong thing, the personal ownership. Right. Well, that wraps up this edition. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and more. You can get that smart speaker to play us as well. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening. 
And thank you all. It's, uh, hopefully you're all having fun with all this. Uh, some of it is, uh, you know, a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Uh, this is still um, very, very difficult, but uh, very, very worthwhile and uh, can do both good for individuals as well as help save the planet. And have a great Thanksgiving. And have a great Thanksgiving. <laughs>